0: Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world to hear fantastic stories of their journeys. and Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockton Cyclery for supporting bike pack adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks, and keep on peddling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bikepack Adventures podcast. I know that it has been a little while since I've released an episode. I think it's been pretty close to a month. And, um, you know, I just kind of got a little bit burned out. I was really focused on getting things squared away with the Canadian Shield Bikepacking Summit. Um... <clears throat> and sorting out things on that end and just kind of worked myself into a funk and decided to take a couple weeks off just to catch my breath and uh over the last couple weeks I've so many times looked at the my podcast area and thought you know I should release one of these two episodes I have pending and and I just couldn't do it I was just like you know next tomorrow tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow so anyways um it didn't get done but hoping to uh, get this released in the next day or so, so I'm recording this uh, intro right now while I'm at it. For the most part, I've been sick for the past week and I decided to do this anyways because I just want to get it done and I don't want to have excuses anymore. As a teacher, we're around a whole bunch of snotty-nodes, little kids, especially in elementary school and they're always coughing and sneezing and touching things and disgusting. Anyways. There has been a bug going around. It's that time of the year, you know, early in the new year, and I probably got that. And then I went uh, for a fat biking weekend with my buddy Alex, and uh, we rode from Kanata to Cartwright Springs, which is a brewery in, um, oh man, how do I forget the name of the town? Uh, Man, there's a ski hill there. Anyways, it's about 50 kilometers from point to point, and of course we got there in time to have a couple pints and then we set up our camp on the property at the brewery and camped the night which was amazing and fun and uh and then the next morning we packed up cooked up some breakfast and made our way back to Canada so that was a a warm up for the fat bike race that took place yesterday the Wendigo Ultra uh but it was definitely in some ways really hard like we did try to ride some rail trail but it was super soft it was almost uh it was right around freezing temperatures which means any snow will just uh melt from the sun and it gets really sloppy i'm gonna pause this for a second so i can cough so yeah we rode a little bit of rail trail and it was wicked hard and that really had my head spinning for for what happened yesterday because i was registered for the 100 kilometer uh fat bike ultra the wendigo ultra and uh <clears throat> I was really worried as to how I would perform, and uh, sure enough, then on Monday it was a long weekend, family day. I was outside all day boiling maple sap, making syrup, and by Tuesday I had a cold, and it got worse and worse. Took a couple days off trying to recover, uh, trying to get healthy, pounding lots of vitamin C and neocitrin and um, you know trying to do everything I can to be better for Wendigo. <clears throat> but unfortunately. I still wasn't feeling 100%. I went back to work on Friday and it was like, man, I was feeling so so. So I contacted the director, uh, Cameron Dubey, and um, told him I was going to downgrade myself to 50K just because I didn't think I could handle 100. So it was super fun. It was an amazing day yesterday. The weather was, (laughs) for those in other parts of the world, wicked cold. It was, I think, minus. 30 celsius which is probably pretty close to i know if minus 40 and minus 40 fahrenheit and celsius match up so minus 30 is way down there and um probably about minus 20 fahrenheit 25 maybe and um yeah so it was wicked cold but what that meant was the conditions were perfect for riding rail trail you know the 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 trail was crisp even when snowmobiles came by, they didn't chew it up too much because they were just floating on top of it. It wasn't they weren't sinking in and ripping it apart. And um, for the most part, I think my average speed was like fifteen point two kilometers per hour. Off the gun, I was on the pointy end of the spear, or the you know of the race. Uh, myself, uh, my past guest Gene Villeneuve and uh, Colin, uh, a Kiwi who was uh, here visiting Ottawa and borrowed a fat bike, borrowed some gear from me so he could get out there and race. And uh, the three of us were right on the pointy end for the first five or so kilometers, and then I couldn't keep up with those guys. I was huffing and puffing. I Man, I was hyper, almost hyperventilating. I had to slow down. And <clears throat> it was a huge learning curve just to figure out all this uh, – uh, temperature control and moisture management, and I can honestly say I failed miserably at it. I um, I never stopped to pull off one of my layers. I, I was wearing a down jacket under my hard shell because I thought, you know, it's super cold out, I need to have a bit of layers on here. And uh, it was so wet when I got back, I came in about 30 minutes after the other two guys finishing third, which was awesome. Um, I pulled off my jacket and they looked at me and they're like that is disgusting man you can't wear that out there for that and i was like oh well i didn't know <laughs> so either way great prep training for the Route blanche if this all goes down i'm still working on the details but now i know don't wear down just bring a big puffy jacket to throw over everything if you have to when you stop i guess and otherwise um yeah that was a big mistake so it's all washed and hanging up here in the uh, utility room where I do this podcasting drying out. Um, yeah, so in the end, I came in third place in about three hours and 40, 45 minutes. I don't know the final tally because it, it definitely started after 830, which was the uh, original gold time to start. But amazing, amazingly fun day. I had a chance to chill out with some friends. Um, <laughs> actually, three people that were there are Patreon supporters of the podcast. So that's really, really cool. Um two of them I've known for years and years and years and uh you know for various reasons they decided to support me and I mean most of it I'd say is bike related so thank you guys and of course uh Bob Davidson was there and I got a nice picture of the three of us so uh, um at the finish line so that's cool uh what else have I been up to um today I'm recovering went for a recovery ride with the dog it was good fun and uh I've been working on the Canadian Shield bikepacking routes, getting them ready for 2023, just kind of checking over the GPX files, making small changes of, you know, feedback I've heard and things, and just trying to to make it as the best route possible. Uh, The Summit ticket sales are ongoing. There are only currently six early bird tickets remaining, and already four tickets have been donated to the BIPOC and LGBTQ communities as part of my drive for inclusivity within the world of bikepacking, so that's really cool. Uh, there are two confirmed sponsors, and several others are in the works right now as we speak. Uh, well, probably not as we speak. It's Sunday, so I hope they're just chilling with their families. Um, so I should be making some announcements very, very soon, uh, but I can tell you, it's big. You're going to love it. And uh, on that note, support the podcast. Guys, I want to give a shout-out to greg andre barrett who is actually the guest today so after our podcast recording uh he sent me a little gift via paypal for to help you know fund the project and i thought that was really nice of him so uh he's getting his kudos on his own episode which is kind of neat and uh brian karbowski one of my patreon supporters he increased his monthly pledge earlier in january and and i posted a couple episodes and and forgot to give him credit for that so thank you brian i really do appreciate it it's uh it's definitely helpful. And for everybody else out there, if, if you're liking the show and stuff and, you know, a small little token of appreciation can help me make it through all the annual fees and stuff and keep working to improve things. I know my websites aren't the fastest. It's one of those things to to make a fast flowing website. You either got to hire somebody who knows what they're doing or pay for plugins and whatnot. And well, I don't have money to pay for plugins. So, yeah. Uh What else? Um. Yeah, just thank you to everybody for, you know, all your help over the last four years. It's been uh, pretty amazing and super stoked to, to keep this project on the go. Although sometimes I do need to take breaks. I'm pretty human. Anyways, um, let me introduce uh, today's guest. In this episode of the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, I have a chance to speak with Greg Andre Barrett, someone who has been on my radar since I saw he was tackling the ONXL. The ONXL is a series of connected bikepacking routes which account for over 6,000 kilometers of predominantly off-road touring. After touching base with Greg, I realized what an amazing dude he is and what amazing rides he has done all over the world. So, after a little bit of juggling around, we managed to tee up and uh, we had an amazing conversation and I hope you guys enjoy it. Greg, welcome to the Bikepack Adventures podcast.
1: Great to be with you, Chris.
0: So um, yeah, let's just roll right into it. Uh, I know we were just talking, and I was like, let's just get all this on audio. And uh, tell us about yourself, where where you live now, and where you grew up, and uh, yeah, just all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, mostly I grew up in Toronto, um, but uh, when I was young, and my dad was an engineer um, uh, with Hydro and other companies, and so we actually lived when I was younger. Um, up until probably grade one or whatever. I think we went and we lived in all 10 provinces for some period of time. So oh, wow. Not not that I can remember too much of those times, but yes, uh, it's uh, it maybe it gave me the traveling bug as well at that time.
0: Yeah, I feel um, there's something.
1: Oh, go ahead, um... sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> after that, um, uh, went to uh, University of Waterloo in engineering, taking after my dad maybe, system engineering in this case. And uh, got married in the university. Met the uh, the love of my life, who we've been married uh, forty seven years now, almost. Wow! Um, and uh, two daughters, uh, one with uh, a kid and uh, and a husband uh, down in Ithaca, New York, and the other one here in Toronto, uh, close to us. So uh, just being really blessed with um, uh, a lucky, wonderful life and uh, great kids, and um, lucky enough to get a job when. Um, because I was born in I'm 69. So I was born in 54 and go back to that. But it also meant a time when you got out of university that there were jobs and good paying jobs. So uh, unlike today with millennials, uh, it's very, it was a lot easier mm-hmm. to get a good paying job. And so we've been very lucky, both my wife and I, she's a teacher, English teacher. Oh, okay. So anyways, and, and is she still and, teaching so, or is she retired now? She's, we're both retired at uh, 63. She retired and I couldn't see not retiring. So. Yeah,
0: it was just not fair <laughs> at that point. Huh?
1: <laughs> well, we like traveling together as yeah, well, too. Yeah, that's good. Um, and uh, the, I started when I was, I guess, my, I used to run before I mountain biked or before I biked at all. Um, and I used to love running um, and uh, did used to do sort of mid-distance, long-distance and went in one marathon uh, in the Ottawa in 83 that uh, I managed to get uh, two hours and 51 minutes. Wow. And if I'd, nice. back then, if I'd done one minute faster, I would have qualified for Boston. And I, my wife said she would have left me and we wouldn't have had our second child. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, the knee started to hurt. Uh, as they do when you get older, not right after that, but they, you know, there came a time when they started to hurt when I was running. So I turned to mountain biking. And when I was living in Oakville, joined the the Oakville cycling club and um, bought my first iron, uh, rigid iron horse, nice, bright, silver plated, beautiful beast and um, never looked back. I really enjoy being off in the trails, being in the woods, um, you know, that sort of thing. It's, better than hiking in a sense that you can get a little bit further, but it's like hiking that you're going slow enough that you can see things and enjoy things. So I think that really turned me on to that type of an experience. Um, So mostly I like being off road, but I love, Mm -hmm. I love road riding just for the fun of it. um, The good Friday road race was my only road race I ever did. And I had a terrible crash in it. (laughs) So I, I, Did not want to go back and do that. I finished the race, but I was all torn up. So I said, that's enough of that crazy sort of field. I'll stick in mountain biking where if you go down, yeah, you can hit trees and things like that. But generally, if you go down, you're going down in dirt. You're not going down in a pile of bicycles on pavement. And it's
0: kind of on you as opposed to a road race when it could be any single person out there taking you out, you know?
1: <clears throat> exactly, and that's what happens when you get into that. Yeah. Into that, uh, uh, you know, you're in a tight bunch of people, and somebody's twitchy. And so certainly on the Good Friday road race, people are twitchy on that one because yeah. it's the first race of the season. And that's what happened. It just caught my wheel, took me down, took a whole bunch of us down. Yeah, Anyways. I remember.
0: I remember doing some uh, some century rides, and it was very similar. You'd see like just stupidity. You know, somebody in the middle of this pack decides to take their hands off the handlebar to adjust their gloves. Next thing you know, it's just bikes flipping across the road, and you're you're just praying you're not the one that gets caught up in it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. So yeah, so a lot of then um, a lot of uh, I joined the Psychopath Oakville race team, which is Psychopath uh, Oakville is a store, so it's a store race team. Um, and great bunch of people, small group, uh, mostly mostly mountain biking, but also okay. we had a road section as well. Um, being with them forever, I think they've allowed me to stay in, even though I'm not racing that much <laughs> these days. Um, just because I, I I look after the uh, you know most of the registrations, things like that. Uh, but great bunch of people, great bunch to ride with, to train with. Uh, so you know whether it's a cycling club or a or a, uh, a race team, um, having that sort of camaraderie is another great re- you know thing about biking, mm-hmm. whatever the genre is um and um from there because i'm mostly a, an endurance type person rather than speed i usually entered the uh the o cups were a little bit too fast or were, were too fast for me they weren't a little bit too fast they were too fast for me <laughs> uh so i started going into 8 hours and then eventually into 24 hour races uh, solar races uh that seemed to be my thing where i could actually do well over the uh at uh Different times, uh, or over a longer period of time, I and guess, how uh, that endurance.
0: How old were you at that time? Because I'm looking at your timeline there, and that's kind of where where it all starts for you. The the whole uh, endurance aspect. It's like looks like 2006, the Chico yeah, 24 hours.
1: so 54. I I would have been uh, 40, 52 in the 50s. Nice. I have a uh, I have so chan- I I have I an I opportunity still. First, <laughs> yeah. So I got one first in the forties and then I graduated the fifties and, uh, and still got another first in, in a couple of different races in my categories. That's pretty uh, awesome. There. Yeah. And it's nice. It's uh, again, it's that type you have to have the right mindset when you're doing that type of race. Uh, you have to be out there to enjoy it. At least I find it's mm-hmm. easier to do it that way. I'm sure there's people out there who are crazily competitive, but I, I go out and to enjoy it. And, um, Uh, that's the way that I find I can keep myself motivated in those dark wee hours of the morning Mm -hmm. uh, when (laughs) you want to quit, but you know it's only another few hours until the sun comes up sort of thing. And you just enjoy being in the woods and, you know, being nice to people as they pass you or you pass them and just having a good time. And uh, that's the benefit of, uh, I think, the secret to enjoying and having a good long, uh, you know, bike career if you will if you're in if you're racing at all is really to try and enjoy it the most and not take it too seriously
0: yeah i've, so I've been i've been uh, i've been thinking i'd love to try one of these 24-hour things because i I've, I've done multiple 24-hour rides just bike packing stuff but never yep. in a race scenario so i've done the eight-hour hurting and Halliburton and i think i'd love to try 24 i think it's a yeah
1: it's the, the right ball game well, for the me hot ice nights is having their 25th anniversary this summer uh, if you want to do one, mm. they put on a fabulous uh, yeah. race experience, uh, really well, well run. It's, a, it's probably the biggest in North America.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh,
1: and, uh, but it's a great weekend. Um, lots of There's music, live music and that sort of thing to keep you going. Uh, and the, the course itself at Albion Hills is a really nice course that they lay out. Uh, it's a nice place to race. Uh, and yeah, it's a great. I would highly recommend if somebody's going to do it to try it there. Yeah, that sounds it, great. I might
0: not be in, in Canada at the moment, but at that time, but uh, yeah, I might be off traveling somewhere. <laughs>
1: think of it for another year. Then yeah, down yeah, it's, well it's it'll be
0: on the list. I, I see your list. I'm like, all, I wonder if all these are still going. You got the uh,
1: um, the lifestyles of the rich well, and famous. Eco's 24 hours of hot August nights. I don't think they do that one. They just do the mm. the summer solstice now. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Lifestyle, rich and famous. Great guy. Um, and, uh, he, uh, unfortunately doesn't do that race anymore, uh, but another great race, uh, lower key, um, not quite as big, but, uh, he always had fabulous prizes and really looked after the people that were in the race. And yeah, mm. it was just another great experience around here. It was held at Mansfield, uh, Mansfield, uh, center, uh, which has got some great, uh, single track in it ah, in Ontario. Nice. Yeah, And are these all,
0: uh, these are all mountain bike 24 hours? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I knew there was one somewhere in Quebec, like near Bromont or something at one point. Um, I'm not sure if it's still going on. It probably is.
1: Yeah. That was uh, 24 hours of adrenaline. Uh, mm-hmm. So before I, the, the few that I told you about, um, I did a number of them that I didn't do, do very well at as I was learning and everything else. Um, but yeah, 24 hours of adrenaline, they were probably the first people in North America to set up races.
0: Um,
1: they're not, I don't believe they're around anymore, but they did one at, um, oh, what's the race ski hill in, not in Bromont, um,
0: Mont-Saint-Sauveur,
1: maybe north of there? North of, north of Montreal. uh, Mont-Tremblant, Mont-Saint-Sauveur. Tremblant. 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 They did a twenty-four hour in Tromblon because I did did that one. Uh, you you ride up the hill basically <laughs> and oh, nice. back down around different uh, trails and stuff. It was a tough one, uh, but imagine. yeah, they did they they put on huge huge ones and that was a great one in Tromblo as well too. Mm. Yeah, that's probably the one you've heard of.
0: Yeah, I, I've well, I know I th- this was quite some years ago. I had a buddy who did. Um, I think him and his friend went and did the eight hour in uh, Bromont, but it was it was years ago probably. Yeah, late 2000s or early 2010s, you know, um, yep. somewhere around there. I don't remember exactly, but ages ago.
1: And the eight hours <laughs> are a nice thing to do, too. I like the eight hours because they are, in, you 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 can ride hard for eight hours. You can't ride hard for 24 unless yeah. you're inhuman. Uh, but uh, you can ride hard for 24 hours, have a great time, and then you're finished for the day, right? So I, those are more enjoyable than, mm-hmm. than I would say at 24 hours. 24 hours. For a race, you just have to. Uh, There's a level of suffering. I'm a little bit masochistic. Yeah.
0: And have you ever done any of the road stuff, or has always been kind of exclusively the mountain biking endurance? Uh...
1: Just mountain biking, uh, as far as racing goes. I've never, as I said, I, I, I decided after that crash not to do anything on the road. <laughs> yeah. But uh, certainly, bike packing. Yeah. A lot of times, you are on the road too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I've done gravel like a gravel bike uh, type of experiences and stuff some of my rides and stuff have been with a gravel bike and certainly some of it is on road the uh, the um uh tour divide uh has a fair bit of road in it mm-hmm, uh, i've heard that but yeah. again you're on a mountain bike because a lot of the times you are off on gravel or on fire roads and things like that yeah. too so
0: I have heard of people. I mean, I guess more so the Great Divide mountain bike route where you see people traveling, touring it with panniers and stuff and and like uh, a long-haul trucker or something. But I wonder if the Tour Divide, I mean, it would probably equal out to a lot of pushing if you tried to do, race the Tour Divide with a gravel bike. There might be some. Uh,
1: no, gravel is actually a good, good choice is for it? the Tour Divide. I, most of it is not that rough. Um, it is, uh, you know fire road, uh, there is very little, very little single track in mm-hmm. it. Um, so most of it, uh, I would say almost entirely all of it you could do. And a lot, a lot, of the top riders do use a gravel bike because it's lighter. Yeah. Um, and you know, with a 42 centimeter tires on it, something like that. So you got some little bit of cushion mm-hmm. and gravel and capability on them, but yeah, a lot of them do it oh, on okay. a, a, uh, a salsa, big rig sort of gravel yeah. bike, uh, it makes for a good thing. Not, not panier, though. <laughs> no, no, I de- no definitely panniers.
0: not. I think nowadays though, it's, it seems like every time I look at the, you know, uh, coms rigs of the tour divide or whatever race, everybody is on a, either a, a mountain bike with rigid suspension or drop bar mountain bike, typically rigid suspension. It seems like everybody's going opting to have that big tire, you know? um
1: yeah well yeah you'd be a big tire you have a gravel bike which which has a fairly larger tire but not huge mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. um and um yeah and you have a bigger you have a gravel type geometry as well yeah. so you don't want a small race bike or a cross cycle cross bike true yeah
0: what kind of what year did you do the uh tour divide
1: uh tour divide was 2000 and uh looked up my rules here <laughs> uh oh, I, see, I
0: see it i know it's Twenty thirteen. <laughs>
1: twenty thirteen thank you, yes, yeah, so that was actually that was my that well, was my first bike packing experience really um, really, so really saying, yeah,
0: so you just said yeah. like oh, i'm gonna bike pack, and hey, I, I heard about this tour divide thing, why not right
1: <laughs> well, I heard about it i I watched the movie uh or the documentary, and that got my got me interested in doing it as it does yeah. and um i I actually I was trying to think of the guy's name who runs bike. He's dead now, but he ran uh, bike. He runs. Brian Corey. uh, Brian Corey. Yes. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a terrible memory as I'm getting older, but uh, Brian Corey, actually, I bought his bike packing bags off of him. uh, And I used his bags to do the uh, tour divide. Um, So I watched the movie, got hooked, you know, got, talked to him. uh, got his bags um put them on my full suspension mountain bike because it's the only bike i had
0: okay uh, i was gonna ask you what you were not
1: not the best thing to ride on that thing uh and uh then i think i did maybe four overnighters uh you know long long sort of two day years because that's all i had because i was still working Mm -hmm. um took my vacation time you know got to got to the start and Managed to get to the finish. <laughs> so, nice. I, three days in, I thought I was going to have to quit because I, I pushed it too hard for the first three days, which is, I think that's the uh, advice I'd have to anybody doing one of these things maybe for the first time is, you know, take it easy the first seven days or yeah. whatever you're doing, depending on how long it is. And because uh, I tried to push too hard to get to the border. And uh, when I got over the border, I woke up the next day and my, Achilles heel. I could hardly move it. It was swollen. It you know looked the same size as my calf, and uh, so I had to take it really. I I considered quitting at that point because I just I couldn't see myself riding. But I managed to continue. Got some really powerful anti-inflammatories. Got a you know somebody to professionally wrap the ankle as well, okay. and um, managed to I guess limp to the uh, Mexico border. <laughs>
0: I guess it's typical, like, um, you know, as a first time event, it's probably not different than a first time 24 hour where you push too hard off the gun and burn yourself out and then you have a a miserable time. Right. So this is just many multiples of 24 hours. And if you if you just give her a little bit too hard that first few days, you could really ruin yourself.
1: Well, it's hard for people in Canada, I think, too, to train properly for something like that, because it is, you know, it's in uh, the first Friday in June. Yeah. Um, you do have a f- couple of months of trainable weather in, 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 you know, in Canada. But it's unless you're, it's very, it's difficult. I would say. Yeah. And we don't have certainly in Ontario. We don't have mountains, so it's very difficult to get any kind of really good uh, climbing mm-hmm. into it, where you are stressing those ligaments. You're stressing the Achilles heel. Um, yeah. So it, that was part of the problem. Is I didn't do any. Yeah, I didn't really have any big climbs. I didn't have that sort of training, and the minute you start getting, you know, either on your bike or off your bike, it doesn't really matter. And I think a lot of the damage was done hiking up one of the really, you know, hike-a-bike sections. Yeah. Um, and you're in mountain bike shoes. You're pushing this heavy bike. Uh, you're just putting a lot of strain on the Achilles heel. Yeah. It actually is one of the most common injuries on the on the uh-huh. Tour Divide itself.
0: Yeah, because I I can well imagine. Like I remember doing the the BT seven hundred and really pushing it, and some I didn't have a huge chain ring, so there were some some little hills I couldn't ride up, and it was getting tiring, like on the the calves and even down in the Achilles, because I'm not used to pushing a bike up a hill, yeah. you know. And uh, so yeah. if you don't train for that specifically,
1: oh, so what you I can do, catch what I do guard. now almost every day is actually I will do uh, exercises for the Achilles heels. So, basically, whether it's, you know, at the end, uh, you know, uh, toes on a step and just mm-hmm. going up and down where your heels are off the step or, or, you know, leaning into something and doing toe raises and stuff like that. So, you, you, if you can do it, you need to do that if you're not anywhere else where you have actual mm-hmm. riding that can actually do it naturally. There are exercises you can do to, to um, you know, to build up the Achilles heel so it's one area you have to work on, that's for sure. Along with the rest of you know, it, if, if it's not the Achilles heel, it'll find some other place in your body. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it'll break down.
0: <laughs> what was your, um, you know, so you bought your bags off Ryan Corey. How was your your kit set up and was it effective? You know, this is the first time you said like you're really on a major bikepacking or any big bikepacking adventure other than a few overnighters. Um, how did it work out? Did you...
1: Yeah, I would say that most of the stuff worked out okay. It was sort of like first-generation type bikepacking equipment, like a roll bag and, you know, a frame bag and a tail bag. Um, Some of the stuff is a lot better these days. I think the areas that that I find were more difficult is, you know, the harness for a roll bag, you know, wasn't that great, or at least I didn't have a good one Mm -hmm. at that time. They might have had one, but, you know, what I had wasn't that great. So if you take things out of a bag, it starts to become loose. It then sort of flops around. Mm-hmm. It doesn't pack up as nicely. Same thing with the tail bag. Um, if you, uh, it doesn't have as good a support The back in those, or at least the one I had didn't have as great a support. And so it would tend to maybe uh, keel over a bit like bend and, and just not be mm-hmm. as, and it would wag around as well too. So it doesn't have the, this, the harnesses and the, the support brackets and things that have now so people that it won't wag as much. Um, overall it still worked. Um, uh, so there, I can't complain too much. Um, uh, the only other thing that I found that I had problems with is I had cages on my, on my, uh, da- on my, um, front uh, fork. Mm -hmm. And both cages, uh, for whatever reason, uh, I think there were two fish cages, but you don't have to, nothing against them. Yeah, I think it's just, they were welded in the right spot and and the way I clamped them on, they both broke.
0: Oh no. Um, So
1: now I have, now I have, uh, you know, the uh, uh, different cages than that, that are actually an ABS sort of Like the Salsa Anything Cage or Crate, whatever. Anything Cages, yep.
0: Yeah, I have two of those as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. So they work. There are things like that nowadays that work a hell of a lot better. Um, you know, and so the setup that I have now, I, I'm really enjoy and I really yeah. like. Um, um, especially the last trip that I did uh, the uh, Bariac, um One of the things that I added to my bike, my which is a, a Trek Pro caliper, uh, hardtail, is a Bariac, uh armrest. Oh, what's that? Uh, I don't
0: know what that is. I okay. can, hold on, I'm going to open it on the tab.
1: Yeah, baryak.com. So, baryak.
0: Baryak.
1: Yeah, I think I put it down under the list of stuff that I sent oh, okay. you. Uh, but yeah, it's baryak, B A R Y A K.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I have heard of them.
1: And uh, I have the Expedition SL carbon version of that. Um, And it uh, provides you with a really good armrest position, um, but it also provides some carbon uh, area that you can bolt things to, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which are very good, uh, and the bar ends themselves and stuff. So uh, it made a huge difference on my ride, this last one that I did in Ontario, Ah. 3,700 kilometers. Mm -hmm. Very good position, really comfortable. You know, I didn't have that – I haven't had – I had something like that, but not as nice in um, New Zealand. I didn't have anything like that in the Tour de. Okay. Uh, and, and, and I find that makes a big difference when you can have different positions mm-hmm. for the long haul and a lot of you know if you're unless you're doing off road all the time, which we aren't generally, uh, you, you always have areas that you can pick up you know and get down yeah. and, and have a a, a different position. You pick up two or three kilometers an hour at least, um, maybe four or five yeah. uh, when you get down as well. Too, it makes a big difference that way. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just nice to nice to get into a different group.
0: It's interesting. I was watching something recently, and I think it was the documentary on the Silk Road Mountain. uh no, the um, Atlas Mountain Race. And the guy yeah. had, and I think it's pronounced bar yak, like a yak, like the animal that carries yep. stuff. Um, but I, I saw I saw it, and I was like, "What is that?" And I was trying to zoom in and look, and like I paused the video. And then finally figured it out and I was like, oh yeah, they look, they look like really interesting, um, aero systems, you know, because it allows for so much more, um, cockpit area of, to mount stuff, like just the way We're it's designed on and, and, and yeah. also
1: just the, the, way, the position that he's got them in for mountain, for a mountain bike setup is obviously he's done some mm-hmm. work in terms of how he's got them constructed in position from geometry, mm-hmm. um, are very comfortable. Yeah. So it was great.
0: Yeah. It looks really interesting
1: yeah the other key part though I think I find is uh is is bib shorts is bicycle shorts <laughs> and i I always I, for whatever reason, I always get boils and other things if I haven't you know for some you mm-hmm. know that or just wear and tear um, and I think again it's because for the most part, I just don't put enough distance in on the saddle before I go mm-hmm. on one of these big things. So that would be my suggestion for anybody trying to do this is make sure you got enough saddle time on yeah. that saddle that you're going to be using. And the other thing is when you go out, get yourself maybe not right right before, but make sure that you've got new bike shorts cuz this last one I went in nice I had nice shorts, but they were old. And the yeah. and the padding started to come apart and or compressed in
0: different spots. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, a yeah, bad scene, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> bad scene. But yeah, I got a I got a pair of enduro shorts on the way, and um, now I have, uh, uh, Pactimo makes a twelve hour, uh, they call it I think a a Pactimo twelve endurance twelve hour short, something like that. Um, not doesn't say twenty four hour, but. Um, it's uh it's a great uh pad in it which mm. is very very comfortable but there's some others out there like yeah. that but you need something that fits you just as much as your saddle and you need yeah. to make sure you take care of yourself on the long haul too
0: yeah i had the i had the um seven mesh cargo bib and by the it wasn't even that long i was using it but i noticed that the seam at the back was starting to pull apart so i emailed them and they said Um, And it was actually maybe the end of the season. They said they sent me a new one and said we had some complaints that people had said this and we've redesigned it and fixed it. But then the new ones give me chafing all the time. So I don't know what they changed on it. But for my body, it doesn't work. And I'm like, I have this, you know, cargo bib short that's beautiful, but doesn't work for me perfectly. You know?
1: Yeah. So just like a saddle, you've got to you've got to figure out and they are different. And it's an
0: expensive process (laughs) to find what works for you saddles bib shorts and um shoot well shoes are not so bad for me but like saddles and bib shorts are an expensive endeavor to find out what works for you before continuing on with the show i'd like to thank panorama cycles for sponsoring this podcast panorama cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in quebec canada dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel snow and off-road trails they believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chick shocks Fat Bike, the Cadin Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from panoramacycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to panoramacycles.com. Now back to the show.
1: Yep, yeah. What do you uh, use yeah, for a I... saddle? Uh, saddles, I have a... Um, specialized and uh, sorry, I will find it here. Do I have it down here in my list of stuff? No, I don't. It's a specialized saddle um, which has and I'm trying to think. It's actually so one of the carbon specialized okay. uh, top-end saddles with a good groove in it uh, works out very well for me. Mm-hmm. Bonin uh, is actually the make of it, or the the person who endorsed it. Bunen, oh, okay. One of the yep. Tour Divide riders of all things, so it's actually a road saddle, but it works well for me for that type uh-huh. of, of touring. Um, and yeah, you've got to find the right uh, width of it as well too. So the widest width works for me, not the you know the medium or the narrow ones. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I
0: recently measured my sit bones and I thought, you know, they say like sit bones could be from like, for men, like nine to 15 centimeters. And I was like, oh, okay. And I measured myself and I was like nine and a half centimeters. And I I measured myself again on a new piece of cardboard and like double layered. So I'd have the, the the bumps would protrude a bit. And and I measured and I was like, yeah, nine and a half centimeters. That's really small compared to what I thought. So definitely I'm on the smaller end of saddles. Um, yeah, which could explain a lot of why I might have had previous discomfort on some saddles like my my B-17 Brooks leather saddle is not bad. I get a little bit of saddle sores after a couple of days, you know, like um, but not too bad. I can keep riding. But the C-17 gives me chafing. So I'm like, I'd rather the saddle sores than chafing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of the wits. But it's interesting, you were mentioning that the measurement, and yet the saddles are measured in, like, 155 is a common size? Yeah,
0: so I guess that's, like, the, I don't know how it works exactly. So, like, I know, I was looking at the Ergon saddles, the SMC core and stuff, and they were saying, if your seat bones are, you know, and of course it's wider than the measurement, because you wouldn't want your seat bones right on the edge of the saddle, but... Um, they said if you're from 9 to 12 centimeters you're a small medium if you're from 12 to 15 you're medium large and so i guess i'm a small medium I don't
1: know. but they don't measure that. Sad- they don't provide sad- saddles in those sizes they provide them in in in, uh, in centimeters in millimeters actually right
0: yeah and then the the actual width of the saddle is wider so it's hard to know exactly what you fit with right like it's a it's a i don't know some some shops will do like a saddle swap where you can buy a saddle and you can, I don't know. So I would highly recommend that as an option for people is to find something that fits. Oh, well, yeah, you go
1: a place where they actually have sample saddles Mm -hmm. and special, specialized, especially does that sort of thing too, uh, where they will provide the shop with, you know, enough different saddles that, you know, somebody can take out one that's the right width at least.
0: Yeah. If not the
1: right exact same model that they're wanting.
0: Funnily enough, when I lived in Malaysia, I, um, I had a friend who owned a shop. So I had a few yellow saddles from Physic that were the, the test model ones. And uh, yep. those were just the saddles I rode because I'm like, yeah, I could buy one for a lot of money or I could just ride this yellow one. Who cares? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then you know the difference when you find the right one that works for mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. The uh, And then the other things that I have on my bike, basically, the lighting I use is K Light from, ah, from me too. Uh, Australia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've had his almost since uh, for a long time on different bikes. Really liked uh, the, the solidity of it, and the, it really works well. Um, I recently added uh, his Cube Flashers as well, so I don't have to worry about having any batteries or anything else on the ride because I have a uh, a hub, a uh, dynamo hub, yeah. uh, either a son, son hub on my mountain bike on the rigid and then on my cross bike i built up a pd7 hub as well
0: uh so i'm exactly the opposite i've got a sawn on my gravel and i've got the um sp yeah the That's shutter position yeah, on yeah. my mountain bike so <laughs> yeah yeah i find though that like i love the dynamo i love the light when you're going anything but up a steep hill um yeah. Do you still carry a next a second light, just in case, like if you're hike a biking up a hill?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. You have to, because if you're going slow, you know, any place you need that and then you need it when you're setting up. Mm-hmm. Right? So I always, I do have an extra light that I, that I have as well that, uh, Usually I have it mounted on the bike that I can easily take off and put it, and I have a helmet mount as well that I can put it back on if I okay. need it there. So I've got it, I can put it either area. Yeah, I think yeah. that's
0: such a, such a key thing if you're going to go the route of having a Dynamo is you still need at least one decent other light. And if you're going to have a decent other light, you might as well have a pretty good other light. But, you know, it doesn't have to be oh, multi-hundred yeah, multi sure. dollars, but a hundred dollar light is probably a, a sound investment, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, you need, you should have something at least eight hundred thousand, you know, thousand uh, watt uh, type of availability. Yeah, I I use that in the day in the I use that anyways. I use the same light when I when I bike in the city, uh, during the daytime, flashing. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, because that's the safest thing if you're riding in the city or anywhere on road, uh, you, in the daytime. That's the safe. That's the best thing you need to be safe is a flashing light on the front.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people day- forget that you know. Just because you're going the same direction as traffic doesn't mean when a a person looks at their side view mirror to open their door that they see you. But if there's a flashing light, there's a really good chance that they're going to say, Hey, whoa, there's something coming and it's flashing. So,
1: yeah. Well, I've had once I started putting that on, (laughs) I was hit three times before I started wearing Mm -hmm. one when I was riding to work and stuff. And then I started putting on a flashing light. And I've had lots of cases where people have actually, I'm coming along on the side of the road and they're in their lane they'll pull out away from the lanes to let me buy. And I've never had anybody turn in front of me, you know, since that time either, because again, as you say, they see the flashing light in their mirror. So it works out well.
0: Yeah. And I guess people coming off side streets is the other concern too, yeah. because they, they, they're probably not looking for cyclists. They're looking for cars, you know, and as much as we can blame them and say, you know, they have to be aware and this and that, like I drive a car and I'm not always a hundred percent aware, you know, and I'm, I'm human, you know, we make mistakes, but I've luckily never hit anybody yet. So, or even come close for that matter. But, you know, there's always the the possibility there. So taking that extra precaution as a cyclist, you're the most vulnerable person there. So you should take that extra step, I guess, is the the safe thing to say. I'm sure I'll get some flack for that. People will be like, no, you shouldn't have to do anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in terms of bike, like some of the podcasts I listened to, I really got uh, some ideas for you know, different different places to go uh, where other, some of your guests have actually gone before too. So some of the places that I've gone besides the tour, di- tour divide uh, down the Rockies, uh, New Zealand uh, is an amazing, I know it's a long, long way to go. What my wife and I, as I mentioned before, like traveling. So what typically I will do if it works out is if we are doing a trip, which we were doing to New Zealand, mm-hmm. uh, we spent, some time doing a tour you know north and south island you know which was amazing as in itself and then annie would fly home and i stayed there with my bike and and did what is a um uh it's a bike packing race called the tour tour aotearo Mm -hmm. uh aotearo i think means uh island of the cloud in, Ah, in uh in the native language there and and it was. It's an amazing place to go. Beautiful uh, route that they have picked. A lot of off-road uh, single track. Some great climbs. Um, and uh, New Zealand is think of it like think of it like British Columbia, but with an ocean on either side. Not just down one side. Yeah. You've got an ocean on both sides. Of, of, of the Rockies.
0: I, I've always kind of thought of it as like a condensed version of Canada. You know, you have a little bit of plains, a little bit of mountains, you got some ocean, you've got, or lots of ocean. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a
1: yeah. it's very wonderful. condensed version. Yes. And, and, and they are like Canadians. They're very, uh, the, well, we have, they have a similar parliamentary system. They have healthcare. Um, they are also very polite and very helpful, extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people down there. Um, and, uh, and there's nothing that will hurt you outside of falling off your bike. Um, because unlike Australia, there's nothing there that yeah, is dangerous. Australia. And, and <laughs> I think the sheep are the most dangerous thing or, uh, on, on the island, the most certainly most populous, popular mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, no, it's a beautiful place to go, wonderful to see um the other one that we did let me ask you uh, though about
0: that before you go on is um yeah so that was four years after you did the tour divide right so how did things change for you over that four years like i'm assuming you didn't take the full suspension mountain bike
1: no i didn't i had at that time i already had my uh trek i think it was at that time so i that yeah it was my trek um so i've had that bike quite a while just done upgrades to keep it going Because it's a fabulous, you know, frame and everything Mm -hmm. else for that type of work, Um, and and what did I do any different? Um, Probably have I'd have to go back. I don't have the I have different bags now, Mm -hmm. but uh, I probably had better bags um, uh, on the rear, especially so it didn't wag. Outside of that, um, and better. Cages that didn't split apart and break. Ah, oh, yeah,
0: that's that's always good. The plastic ones, right?
1: <laughs> but they weren't the. Yeah, but they also were not the uh, uh, anywhere cages that I have oh, okay. now either. Um, uh, but they also, I did figure out something on that ride uh, from actually just uh, training and stuff was that if you have um, if you have uh, bottles on a cage in a cage on the front fork or anywhere, really, that uh, they can pop out, if, especially if you're running over rough stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, 10 kilometers further along, you realize you've lost your body and you're not going back for it. So yeah. what somebody showed me, uh, no, actually, it was, it was actually before the race. Somebody showed me uh, that I was staying with down there before I did the race. They showed me to put a little bit of, of cord, that elastic cord with a, with a loop on it over the top of, the, of your bite valve. So you tie it to the thing and you just loop it up and put it over the top of the bite valve and that keeps your bottle in the cage. So if you're having problems with bottles, you know, jumping out of cages, just get a little bit of the elastic of the cord that comes with tents and other things mm-hmm. like that. That stretches a bit, put a little loop in it, uh, tie it to your cage and put the loop over the top of your bottle.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, that makes on sense. The bite valve. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking also mm-hmm. like the, um, the volley straps you know because they have that they, they can elasticize a bit by giving a little bit of tension as opposed to like
1: yeah that would work too
0: i think some of the some of the you know um what am i thinking here cord cordura type straps where there's no stretch um you might be more limited but yeah a little but those
1: are heavier though than that's true cord is not heavy yeah it's, that's true it's a, simple, it's a simple solution to a to a, to a simple problem that's basically.
0: that's true absolutely um, yeah, and i, and I see you had a crash there. what happened how where did you crash on the uh the event
1: well that was uh we were climbing a mount along a mountain or going along a mountain pass and um in northern ireland i think north the north ireland before we got to the south just before we got the south um and it's going up to no man uh sorry what's it called no man's uh bridge, I think it goes to oh, nowhere. Okay. It nowhere a uh, bridge to nowhere is what it's called. But anyways, Sounds like a good so place to go. It, it was a very single track, very rough. And um I was off actually walking, but I uh but I I slipped and I almost fell off uh. the side of the cliff. Oh Jesus. And the okay. friend that I was staying had you know a friend that I had actually connected with who allowed me to stay at his place and gave me a ride to the beginning. He had actually cracked several ribs uh Two years before, on this same route, I think maybe the same. I don't know about the same area. So I was aware of it, and sure enough, it was pretty dangerous. So oh, wow. I, I slipped, but I grabbed a tree, and uh, I was. Uh, I ended up pulling my muscle in my arm, in my uh. back, of my shoulder, I guess. So that caused me some pain on the rest of the trip, but um, no, no, no big crash. though. it wasn't a big crash. So I was fine on that. Okay. And
0: from what I understand, it doesn't follow the hiking trail exactly too. Like some parts are similar, but it's a lot of different sections, right?
1: Oh, there's, there's everything on the Tour Aero yeah. to Aero, from single track to a little bit of hiking bike. Not too much though. Most of it is rideable. Um, yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. I'd but, love
0: to get down there. Yeah. Again. Very
1: interesting. Very, you know, and they, and they make the nice thing about that ride um, is they have some rules. They call it a Rondonier, uh, like the – it's a British sort of mm-hmm. uh, background, um, which is where you have to take six they, – they have rules that you have to take six hours off the bike each day. Ah, okay. Um, and you cannot do the route, which is 3,000 kilometers, in less than 15 days. Okay. So it avoids people doing things that are crazy, yeah. I guess.
0: Actually, and, the uh, – the North Cape Four Thousand in Europe just into implemented the same rule this past year as well. They had a they said it you can't finish yeah. in less than ten days and you have to sleep x hour of you know you can only ride x hour number of hours per day. You know you
1: got to be off the bike. It doesn't mm-hmm. say you have to sleep, but you have to be off. Right, the, you right, have, your, yeah. your 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 blue dot or whatever has to be stopped exactly for, uh, yeah. six hours in in one day. Um, which I think is a reasonable thing for most of us. You know, obviously there are some machines that can do that, but it also puts people in danger and those people that are riding at the front in danger where they're pushing themselves too Mm -hmm. hard and they might make a bad decision uh, and end up hurting themselves. The other thing they do on that one, which is really neat is that they uh, require you to, to say you've been able to finish the course. You have to take a picture Of certain things along the route Mm. Uh, and some of those things are actually making you go off the route like to ride up a a valley to see a glacier okay uh, sort of thing uh to go and see the uh the the, where they shot uh the lord of the rings
0: yeah the mountain Uh, or the fields of rohan which one (laughs) there's so many spots
1: (laughs) yeah i know anyway so they have those these type of things so you actually get to see and stop and smell the roses basically yeah. and see a bit of new zealand and enjoy it fun um which i think is a wonderful i you know idea as well yeah. too so great you know really good well done well thought out yeah. uh you know race that did they you down there did you know that matt katie
0: did something similar last year he had uh points of interest if you take pictures then you'd be entered into a draw to win a prize yes so, oh i
1: know that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that
0: was really yeah, cool yeah. i i didn't stop for any of the pictures but uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> next year you'll have then i to lost do my it. phone next and i year.
0: gave up anyway it's just i got so pissed this Anyways. year you'll have to do it yeah i'm next not sure place, if i'll make it this year um maybe maybe not though
1: yeah yeah um the other the other good one uh after that was um i did a I, my wife and i uh did in uh did a, some english teaching uh volunteer english oh, teaching as nice. we've done in a few different countries we went to guatem went to guatemala and taught for a month there oh, sorry it wasn't Guatemala it was Ecuador we went to Ecuador taught for a month there we have taught in, the, in Guatemala mm-hmm. as well as Kenya um and then we, so after um we had finished our month there and done a little we actually went out to the Galapagos Islands and you know do about a week of of a, a trip or of volunteer of a tourist stuff
0: yeah that's excellent
1: and But then after that, I took my bike and went down to Peru and I'm did a 1,500-kilometer right you know, ride along the Andes. And that was probably one of my toughest rides ever, shortest. It's an insane but amount of altitude, climbing. I'm looking when at When you're at 4,000, 5,000 know, meters of altitude, half the oxygen, um, it's brutal. Uh, Worth it, mind you. The views and just being up there in the Andes was was both literally and figuratively breathtaking. It was just out, out of this world. Yes. Great place to go and visit. Yeah. It seems- and a lot of people have done that route, those routes as well too. So it's a fairly mm. well-known route.
0: To and take. that wasn't too long ago, but were you still using the track or you had a new bike at that point? I'm just No, curious. that was
1: the track as well. The though. track, huh? So yeah. she's
0: been everywhere yeah. or he or it. It's going, it just keeps on ticking. <laughs> That's great. And, um, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, I really want to get down to South America and do some bikepacking at some point. Um, and were you guys doing this volunteer stuff, I guess, during the summers, right, when your wife was off from work as a teacher?
1: Uh, no, it's after we retired. After
0: retirement. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you said you retired. So, yeah,
1: so we retired in 63. We're 68 now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Ann Lee, um has been – she went to Tanzania, did that on her own for a month. Uh, she's an English teacher. Oh, and fantastic. So she Good went for her. taught English yeah. uh, to kids – um, to girls uh, going from uh, high public school to high school, so that they would actually get on to high school and not be married off, as many of them are. Yeah. Um, and then, so then, since then, we've done the next three. We've done together. So I go as basically her help because I'm not an English teacher. But I'm uh, sure anybody's part- welcome.
0: You know, like this, just so so yeah. necessary. It's, but
1: it is. It's an amazing way to see a country. Mm-hmm. It's we do it through an organization that is. Uh, just basically charges for admin work, you know, a couple of hundred dollars to get you in there. So it's not a, um, it's not an ecotourism type of, you know, yeah. off type of organization or thing. You're, you actually go and stay with people in the, in the community. Um, and the, the cost of staying with them is extremely cheap, but you get to make a real difference by mm-hmm. helping out for, um, you know, we usually go and help out for three weeks to four weeks um uh in a village or someplace uh. like that. So one was in Guatemala, then we went to uh Ecuador. The last one uh was in Kenya. Oh, that's uh, so cool. And and all of them were you know really fabulous experiences. Yeah. Highly recommend you know looking up and doing getting, you know, doing your volunteer thing. And take your bike along with you. And then when your partner goes home you you find out you yeah, find yeah. some way to go for a bike ride somewhere. Yeah, I'm not
0: sure you know I'm a teacher as well. So no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually a French. Well, I used to be teaching international schools and stuff as a, you know, English yeah. language homeroom teacher. Now, now I teach French in Ontario because I was coming back to Canada, and it was the surest way to have a full time job the fastest. And I speak French, so it helps. But uh,
1: yeah, oh, fabulous. Yeah. yeah, my wife is uh, English, high school English and philosophy. Right. Uh, so she had to learn how to uh teach basic ESL English. <laughs> that's a
0: different language, basically. Yeah.
1: <laughs> very, very. Uh but she but she enjoys it anyway. So yeah. and it was a wonderful experience.
0: And I see that after your 2019 trip in Peru, like you really started to do a lot of bikepacking in Ontario. Like and I think that's where we can kind of say the meat and potatoes of this conversation are going to drive us because it's like BT700, GNR, uh, brewery tour. I like the idea of that one. And then, of course, well, your the, massive. That's,
1: that's the GNR taking it three days instead of uh, one day. I, I did it the first time on one day, <laughs> which is a bit much. And, and you held I the said, FKT for a while,
0: right? Huh? And you held the FKT for a little while, right?
1: Well, for yeah, it's because I did it before anybody else had done it. That's why I did it. Still that way. counts. <laughs> <laughs> And I did a pretty good time on it too, as well. So it wasn't too bad.
0: Sixteen hours, right? That's that's impressive. Yep. Like that's that's fast. That's awesome. You know, it was,
1: it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I want. I actually want to go back and do it this year because I always seem to have some problem on. I I can never get through his race without a crash and usually breaking something. Mm. So that 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 first one, I actually broke my lights off. I fell off the bridge that goes through. Uh, goes, there's a bridge that goes over a Creek. Okay. Uh, when you're in a forest, um, towards the last 160 kilometers or hundred and 200 kilometers or whatever. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I was going through there at night, fell off the bridge, you know, which is a good six foot drop or whatever, oh, no. broke my light off the bike. <laughs> and so, but I still, still continued on how to do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'd like to get through with this. I'm looking this year to go and do his again and not have any crashes. Just ride it nicely. <laughs> do it without, you know, without any sort of mishaps. Yeah. I always seem to make some stupid mistake.
0: Knock on wood.
1: <laughs> yep,
0: yep. Um, yeah, then, seriously, so you, you should have sued the community for not having railings on their bridge, right? That's, that's the issue.
1: <laughs> well, there is a railing. There's oh, there a railing is a railing. <laughs> outside, but I clipped my handlebars in oh, the street. to other gotcha. side.
0: Okay, because, yeah, here in the Gatineau Park, a lot of the bridges have no railings. So, like, I've been biking, and you come across, and you're like, all right, got to hit it straight because it's wet. And if, uh, you know, if you hit it on any angle, you'd just be gone. Crazy carpet. Well, better
1: that, and it's easier so you don't clip your handlebars, though. So there's probably a reason mm. that they do that. And it I love be. the Gatineau's. The Gatineaus is an amazing yeah, place. Are Beautiful yeah. area. Um, Last year when I did, you know, I put together from Matthew and I think your site has a lot of people's different bike packing, mm-hmm. ride back biking routes. And there's a lot, is amazing amount of bike packing routes now that have been documented in Ontario, in Quebec, yeah. I'm sure as well. And anyway, so I was impressed by that. So I, I put together a 3,700 kilometer route that would uh, not overlap but would use up things like the BT 700, you know, the uh, GNR, uh, the uh, um, log driver's waltz, a whole bunch of these all together without overlapping and and thought I would go and try and and explore Ontario. Yeah. uh, Given that we still had COVID and we weren't traveling anywhere yet. And yeah, it was a wonderful ride. Just a great chance to explore um, great, you know, interesting countryside, Uh, and when we got, I could tell the difference when we went from, on on the log driver's walls, which is sort of half in and half out of Ontario and Quebec, right? Um, So, and the whole route on the log driver's walls is great, Uh, but you, once you cross that border, you are on much better maintained, you know, uh, whether it's rail trail or mountain bike trail, uh, is just a world of difference. You know, you've got benches everywhere, you've got, you know, pump and, you know, uh, pump and tool sets set up. Yeah. You know, they even have on the rail trail uh, outhouses regularly as well, too. Yeah. Uh, it, it is
0: and- It is something else. I always am blown away. Like, I remember 10, 15 years ago, people would say, oh, Quebec, it's the worst, the drivers, the this, the that. The, and, but they have gone and invested so much money into cycling infrastructure that yep. it is quite possibly the best province in Canada to cycle in, in terms of just quality and, you know, uh, and the drivers are really careful. They give a lot of space on the road. They're yep. fantastic.
1: No, I had a, I really enjoyed that section in, in, uh, in the, get through the Gatineaus in through all of that area, actually, you know, even up further north from there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. The infrastructure is there. Um, the towns, all the small towns, Compared to the ones in Ontario, are thriving, and they're probably thriving. Poss- part of it is they're thriving because you know Quebec has put a lot of money into uh, outdoor uh, infrastructure, yeah, uh, not just mountain biking, but I'm sure in in riding, but other other things. And I saw a lot more pelotons of of road road cyclists in Quebec as well too, which was neat.
0: Yeah, the um, I would say yeah, you're probably onto something there because the. Quebec has huge numbers of ATV clubs, snowmobile clubs, um, you know, from basically Wakefield all the way to Mont Laurier. There are trails and the rail trail and other trails and just huge yeah. associations. And all that brings money to the little towns, you know, because people will go on big trips and stay overnight. And, and the yeah. same with biking, right? Like from Gatineau, I know when I cycle – all the masham, this is, I forget all the names, but I call them the three mashams uh, on the north of the park. And, oh, man, uh, what are all the, Lac des Lou and all these places. I mean, I always stop there and get a snack, you know, or get something, a drink or whatever at the corner store or the gas station. Yeah. And if other cyclists are doing that, that brings in a lot, you know, just by.
1: They bring in they bring in a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's drawing people out into the outdoors, for many different reasons, yeah. and and it's really supporting the communities there. Yeah. The other nice thing that I'm not sure if it applies to all of them, but all the communities I went through on that uh, log driver's walls would allow you to free camp usually someplace within the town. Mm. So there was always a, an area that you could you could uh, free camp uh, or or very low cost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the town itself. So we made camping, bike camping, bike packing, hiking. All those things much more accessible for people, which was wonderful too.
0: Yeah. And it makes a, I mean, it's definitely not like Ontario where I don't think it's the same, where you have like $50 campsites just to put your bike, you know? And it's the same as the guy who has a 30 foot trailer, you know? Oh, um, yeah,
1: that's right.
0: But I, I think a few years, a few more years, and I think we'll see a little bit of change there because probably these campsites are going to realize that, hey, if we just charge 10 bucks. And we took one of these lots and split it up and made like a few tent spots. We could make money and it would bring people in. They'd be spending money on the showers yeah. or the whatever rather than everybody wild camping, you know. so probably hopefully they'll at some point they'll kind of grasp that.
1: Get the idea get the idea about it, yeah. yeah,
0: because even cyclists places, once in a while want a shower. <laughs>
1: yeah. There are places that do a great job yeah. um, coming uh, on some of the rail trail coming back. Some of the Trans-Canada is terrible. Uh, it's not even suitable, I think, for an ATV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but then some of the areas, like Uxbridge and other areas, um, have done a really good job uh, in, in terms of the t- rail trail. And you hit the same idea where they've got benches mm-hmm. occasionally along their way so people can stop and have a lunch or whatever. Um, so there are sections, and it's really community-based. So I think the big difference that I noticed is that, yes, Ontario's got some good sections, community-supported. Uh, Quebec, though, does it at a provincial level. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you have a better... Because uh, I saw people out actually, you know, doing trail maintenance that had provincial trucks uh-huh. uh, with them. Yeah, And so I think that most of it is... A lot of it is in Quebec is done at a provincial level, which means that you have it uniformly throughout, which makes for a better... Um, better you know better it means it's getting done better than it would on when it's just relying on each little community to recognize the difference and put some money towards it Mm -hmm.
0: and what was your route for the uh what do you call the biking without borders fundraising on the uh, on XL? where did you start and what kind of direction did you go i mean i know it's huge Uh, so
1: (laughs) oh you mean for my ride last yeah for
0: your your last one yeah yeah last year
1: well, um I started in uh um I, I, I'll send you the the link to my uh to my GPS route my ride with GPS oh, okay route. good um but it it uh, went north from Toronto uh to Paul Grave area to the rail trail there basically hooks up with the um uh with the the uh, sorry um butter tart Oh, okay so I take I mm-hmm. up I, so I, I just basically went north to the butter tart route and then I head west uh, along the Butter tart route to Alora uh, um, and uh, stopped just outside Allora. went did the GNR portion of the route uh, hooked over to the southwest great Southwest loop that goes out towards Sarnia mm-hmm. yep um, and did a big loop out that way uh, came back and then rehooked up with the rest of the GNR onto the BT 700 uh, up north on the BT 700 uh, to towards Owen Sound sort of area, looped all the way around on that, uh, came back and connected up with the uh, Oak R- Oak Ridges um, Moraine Rail Trail or oh, the okay. Oak Ridges Moraine Trail. Sorry, it's not a rail trail, um, which is a hiking trail, uh, not a mountain bike trail. But it has some fabulous mountain biking in it, uh, including the Ganaraska and other areas. Um, Took that directly west, east, I should say, to um, Rice Lake. Uh, It goes south of Rice Lake, Mm -hmm. Camelville. Then I I took some uh, Canada, Trans-Canada Trail over to the Log Drivers' Walls. Uh, Hooked up on the Log Drivers' Walls, did that around um stayed uh with i have a friends in in ottawa so i stayed there uh as well and uh, actually met the uh, the couple that is yeah i heard you met well. eric and Jen. yeah 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 which are wonderful nice to see them and uh, anyways then headed back along the trans canada trail uh, north of rice lake this time though through Lindsay, uh that area through uxbridge back down uh to, uh, to the, the lake waterfront trail and back into toronto
0: Okay. And it's funny, when I look at your stats on it, you know, it's 3,600 kilometers, but just, well, two-thirds of the climbing that you had in 1,500 kilometers or 1,400 kilometers in Peru. Like, it's such a difference on the amount.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: But by no means is, I think, the climbing in Ontario and Quebec easy, because it's just undulating, right? It never ends. It's like you're always... You can always see the next hill in the distance, unless you're on a rail trail section where sometimes it's a little good reprieve, but yeah. definitely there's a lot of climbing. Uh, it's just different. Oh, there
1: are. like they, they, Whether it be the uh, Butter Tart 700 up around you know Collingwood area, oh, there's some huge climbs coming out of Collingwood. You you think you're on the top of the, uh, the ski hill, but then you have to go up further right to from there as well, too. And then, of mm. course, the Log Driver's Falls has some great climbs um you know uh in the northern half of it is just amazing yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and uh especially that uh our road i think it's called on the way to calabogie gets pretty that's a yeah. that was that was a tough <laughs> section no i'll have to be honest there that was a really hard oh, section. yes
1: yes uh, yes
0: so let me ask you as a you know
1: i'm looking forward to doing your ride
0: though oh that'd be awesome i hope i can't yeah, yeah did you, you say you're gonna make, make it up in september? september right yeah yeah
1: yeah, so I, I, I'm. And you have one that's an XL that's a thousand kilometers.
0: Yeah, there's a. I think yeah, there's a third thousand kilometers, and then there's a, a little bit of an extended version that's thirteen hundred, or you could do the shorter, four, like significantly shorter, four hundred kilometers. So.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna try. I think I'm gonna do the thirteen hundred in, uh, in September.
0: Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm gonna be yeah. right. I think it's September. I'll do the four hundred just because. I want to do it in the weekend and go back to work and not take my one personal day off. It's too early in the year to lose that personal day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, see, I'm retired, so I may, be, I may be old and slow, but I have all the time, well, not all the time in the world. My wife and I do <laughs> like to spend time together as well, too. So uh, so uh, let me ask hour you,
0: hour though, hour. if uh, this bike, so in post-retirement or after you're retired, is bike packing and getting away on these adventures? It must be good for a marriage, right? Like it gives her a break. And
1: <laughs> um, we actually have. Um, Emily doesn't do that much uh, longer bike pack or longer riding anymore. But we mm. have actually done together some a couple of oh yeah, more than a couple actually three really significant trips. Uh, one. Um, we did was circumvent or circle cir- around cir- uh, circumvent uh Prince Edward Ireland. So that was oh, Emily's cool. first uh bike touring trip. Um nice. oh, and first multi-day trip. Yeah. I uh, really enjoyed it. And if you haven't ever been there, it's a great place to go and bike because the um they have a great website even back it was I don't know it's ten quite a long time ago actually, more than ten years now um, uh, 15 years, maybe that we did that. And, um, but they have a great website where you can book with all these bed and breakfasts. And, uh, and at that time, I don't know if it's the same, none of them took credit cards. They just said, Oh, it's okay. We trust you. Just let us know if you can't make it <laughs> just, you know, being, being East coast folk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so we had a great time cycling around uh, PEI, um, you know, you arrive at some place and they would say, we're not home, we're fixing, we're out at the cottage, uh, doors open, beers in the fridge, help yourself, you know, sort of thing. It's, it's just that type of place. Yeah, yeah. So that was first. And then we went in because we did that because Emily wanted to get ready and try and see if she could do it. Uh, we bike packed the Camino Santiago pilgrimage trail. Oh,
0: that's amazing. Uh, which yeah. is
1: across the top of Spain. Um, we did it wasn't bike packing per se we were touring we yeah. had but we had we had panniers yeah. and stuff uh, but it was a, a hiking trail so we did both have mountain bikes uh, for the most part uh, and most people actually most people the most common thing you hear about is people walking the Camino Santiago mm-hmm. pilgrimage trail which is about 800 kilometers takes about 30 days to walk well, you can do it in a couple of weeks cycling yeah um, and it's still the most one of the best trip's best experiences we have either had and we've traveled oh, a lot really country is it that good oh, yeah. huh it is uh, you're going through 12th century villages every 50 80 kilometers oh wow um, you're staying in pent you're staying in um uh in in church uh, dormitories uh with other pilgrims uh you meet people we met people from 20 different countries so even if you're if you're spiritual Fabulous! If, even if you're not spiritual, it's an amazing mm-hmm. countryside to go through. Um, and uh, you arrive in Saint, uh, you arrive in uh, uh, in uh, uh, where the uh, Saint James bones are buried mm-hmm. in the uh, crypt in the church. Uh, and if you're uh, Catholic, which we weren't, we're, we're Lutheran, but uh, uh, you get your sins absolved. Uh, you know, uh, for the whole year, if if you do this, uh, if you do this trip um so you can get your sins ah. by going there and getting blessed by the father i should get over there then <laughs> but anyways <fabulous> trip. <laughs> I, I highly recommend that and then we also did one in quebec um oh. as you are saying quebec has got amazing uh you know vert um uh, the route yeah, yeah. root trails mm-hmm. the bella route trails uh so we did um up the saguenay river uh, took our bike, or left our car at, at the at uh, at uh, Tadoussac, um, bicycled up to Lac Saint John, around Lac Saint John, and back down again. Oh, it must be beautiful! Amazing trip, fabulous scenery, beautiful people, mm-hmm. wonderful you know B and Bs to stay at, and once you get back, you go whale watching, and you're guaranteed to sail thirty, see three different thirty different whales, you know, yeah, uh, at any one time in Tadoussac. Have yeah, you gone whale watching in Tenerife?
0: I've never been, but I've heard it's great. And uh, um, you have to go. Maybe uh, a great place
1: to bike too.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe the I, I like your idea. Cycle up around lac Saint Jean, back down, and then do some whale watching. That's a that's well, I lac could sell Saint-Jean my wife is on that. a
1: Huge place with with beautiful beaches, and it's a paved trail all the way around it. Two hundred kilometers or something. I've heard. Uh, I think it's, it's three hundred or so. Place. Yeah, three. Yeah, it's it's large. It's mm-hmm. really big. Two hundred fifty, I think, actually, around the lake itself. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's a beautiful place. And, and, you know, and then we've done the one up to Mount Trombleau on the green vert as well too. So yep. we've done some good cycling together. Oh, that's
0: amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We've done a couple little trips, my wife and I, and, um, she enjoys it, but I think she's, she doesn't love camping, but you don't have to, you know, like you, like you said, use B and B's and make that, yep. make that couple trip or family trip a little bit more easy going. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to convince her, well, we're going to, we're hoping to go to, turkey next summer um her my wife's iranian so her family's gonna come meet us in turkey and um i told her rather than her having to translate for two weeks every day you know and since there's all the family there i'll bring my bike and i'd stay a couple days but then i'll go on a a little solo adventure yep Yep. she was okay with it and then um and then i said once we fly to belgium to meet some friends we should rent her a bike and make sure we bring the baby's chariot as a stroller and do a little family tour and because EuroVelo routes and campgrounds everywhere, and they're cheap. And she's semi sold on it. I think less than semi,
1: <laughs> maybe less, well, less that's, less that's than semi. Doing,
0: <laughs> Quarter sold. That's
1: what I'm doing this May. So where my wife and I are doing a trip uh, on the a river cruise uh, on oh. the Danube, and then I'll fly back from Amsterdam to uh, to Budapest, uh, which Sweet. is one of the best cities in Europe. I love in my it. Opinion. Yeah it's amazing and uh so and then I'll get on my bike I'll have left my bike there get on my bike and I'll bike out to the black sea along the danube oh, beauty. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing that in may so if you know somebody that's interested that wants to come and enjoy themselves have them get in touch with me
0: i'll I'll put that everybody's listening if you're uh, if you're going to be <laughs> in europe in may and you want to go ride with a, an amazing adventure greg will be looking for cycling friends
1: yeah <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That's, uh, that yeah. sounds really exciting. Yeah, well, that's
1: Eurovelo 6. So they do have some, they, the Eurovelo routes through Europe, if you look up Eurovelo, uh, so their man. website is just outstanding. Um, it's, uh, unbelievable, really. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking forward to trying out one of them. Uh, I might actually go down from Eurovelo 6 when I get to the Black Sea, go south uh, to the border, and then take Eurovelo 13, which is the Iron Curtain Trail. Ah oh, yeah. Um and take it back up and around and connect up uh so I could to a place where I can fly out of.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, so, yeah, no, just you can go anywhere in the world on a bike, which is um that's once you start doing I think any bike packer realizes that is that as long as you have enough time um you can go anywhere on a bike. Um and that's the beauty of it mm-hmm. and you you get to see things at a great pace, but you get to get to places as well. Uh, you know, and like say hiking or something like that. So it's, it's a great compromise between, uh, for traveling you get to see people, get to visit with people, see the community, see, you know, uh, all of that. Uh, It's just amazing.
0: And, and let's say the, the, probably the most important thing too, is it keeps you young. Cause like when I look at you on this video here, you don't look 68, you know, and I'm sure (laughs) most, most days you probably don't feel 68 and (laughs) I,
1: I'm lucky that I haven't turned, my hair is not turned too gray yet. Um, and the other thing that helps though is, is as well as fill in your time. If you do retire, fill in your time with, with volunteering. So mm. as I think you mentioned I last year for the September ride, I did raise over $2,000 for bikes without borders. Um, I, which I have helped uh, volunteer at for many years. Yeah.
0: Tell us uh, more about and, bikes without borders. I, I mean, I've, Heard it, They're, heard of it, uh, but I don't know too much about a it.
1: Small, it well, it's small, well, it's a Toronto-based charity um, and they collect, uh, one of the primary things they do, they do many things, but uh, one of the primary things they do is collect bikes, fix them up and give them away for free to people who are in low income, uh, okay. basically low income. So that might be somebody in Canada who doesn't have a job or very low income, or it might be a refugee who's come in and is just trying to get settled. Uh, so this primary. Those are the types of people that we ended up, you know, would end up giving bikes to. And they do about five to six hundred bikes a year, um, both locally and then through a partner. We also do shipment overseas uh, okay. to uh, different, you know, to a, usually at least one country a year. Um, great place. Uh, if you have a bike that you uh, that you want to donate, uh, that's uh, seen the better times, but still is rideable. Uh, you can drop it off at their bike shop, which is actually hosted um, at the Amsterdam Brewery in Toronto. Oh, I love that brewery! So the actual brewery itself—they—they are—they are our sponsor or or Bikes Without Borders sponsor, um, and they are uh, have provided us space in their brewery uh, to have a bike shop where we repair the bikes, and you can pick them up. Oh, from.
0: isn't that something? Huh?
1: Yep. And uh, now this year, though I'm not, I'm not volunteering with them anymore, I'm volunteering with uh, Culture Links Bike Hub, um, which is a little bit closer to me here uh, in Toronto. Uh, Culture Links is a newcomer uh, services, okay. so everything you know uh, they provide any kind of service for newcomers. Uh, they also operate a, uh, one of the three bike uh, hubs that Toronto, uh, City of Toronto, helps sponsor. Uh, providing uh, enough money so that they have a full full full-time mechanic during the summertime. Um, And what the idea there again is the same as bikes without borders is that they take bikes that would end up in a landfill. uh, Mm -hmm. They recycle them, repair them and hand them out free to people in um, communities like uh, young and or like Jane and uh, uh, Finch area, that sort of thing or any area really, but, uh, they, they try to get, you know, the bikes to newcomers uh, through their services that might need them. Uh, and they also do, uh, I'll be helping uh, do tr- um, mechanic training for youth in the Jane and Finch oh, area. Cool. Uh, uh, so I'll be working Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, this uh, starting next week, I think, volunteering so for them.
0: Retirement's good it can keep if you keep busy, huh? You got to do stuff. Otherwise, you get stir crazy, I think.
1: Well, scare crazy. It also what when you give when you give you get right. Mm-hmm. So the best form of of getting or, or receiving is to actually give. Uh, and uh, um, you and I have been we you know people when you've been lucky in life uh, and and you have you know enough. Uh, it's nice to give a little bit back, um, and uh, and it makes a big difference uh when you're able to go in and do something you enjoy doing as well like you if you you know f- for somebody who's got a job they're lucky if they have a job that they enjoy if if once you retire find something uh that you enjoy doing you may not have enjoyed your job but now is the time to find something you really enjoy mm-hmm. so i enjoy working with bicycles working with you know kids um you know working with people that uh i can assist and help um so this is a way to um, to uh, mix both of my loves
0: yeah, that's fantastic. I, uh, you know, and 68 is not that old. You still have time. I, I, I'm i just thinking <laughs> I met a, I met a guy and I was going to have him on the podcast. I still haven't messaged him. I uh, talked to him recently, but I met them. Uh, when was it? In like maybe November when all of a sudden it was really warm and there was no snow and it was like 17 degrees outside or something. And I was in the Gatineau Park biking and I met this couple and they were octogenarians and they were using e-bikes. But they ride and travel everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know? Yeah. I hope, fingers crossed, that I don't get hit by a car in the next 20. (laughs) So I just hope that I get that age and I can still ride a bike, you know? Because I I can't imagine. Even if you can not ride a
1: bike, you can still hopefully be able to do something. That's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I just hope to have the, you know, a functioning body so I can be as, yeah, just enjoy life but uh, well, I it was so be, motivating yeah. when I met them I was like wow you know
1: Yep, and and that was Annley and I had that experience on the Camino Santiago pilgrimage trail we met this couple that uh, they actually turned he turned 80 on that day and they were hiking from some place in Austria no to across the Camino Santiago pilgrimage trail so more more kilometers probably a thousand kilometers they were walking it's amazing uh and they had a you know a, a pack on their back not a big one like they were smart but they were they were doing like 30 kilometers a day uh the two of them and he was eight they were both turning they were both 80 he he turned 80 that day and uh i asked him i said what are you going to do when you get to the end and he said well we're thinking that we might just turn around and walk home
0: oh isn't that something huh
1: <laughs> yeah
0: that's and it is, we met,
1: we met some people on there that were walking big distances, which is cycling is a lot easier <clears> than, <throat> than walking. And so you have to admire that. Uh, we met another person that obviously had a severe, uh, uh, walking or they had, they were, they were crippled basically. And so it was a great, you know, they had to drag their legs with two crutches, mm. um, you know, and, uh, they he was walking he was going to hike the whole way um and and uh, again i said this must be extremely difficult and he said yeah but it's enjoyable and so he was doing it you know as maybe as more spiritual than you or mm-hmm. i are doing it but for him just being out there and being able to do it was was a, it was a huge thing
0: that's right. I guess like it's the silver lining, right? You're in you're in nature. You're seeing beautiful towns and stuff. You might be going a lot slower. And you might be having pains, but it's definitely a view you're not going to get if you stay at home and don't do it, right? So,
1: that's exactly yeah. right.
0: Yep. 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 Isn't that some? Yeah, I would love to go. Uh, there's another. I mean, not the mass most massive hiker, but I would love to go to uh, Shikoku Island in Japan and do the 88 temples walk. You know, obviously not Buddhist, but. Just to walk around this island, I forget how long the route is, but it's it's quite long. And you go. Uh, to,
1: we've done, we've done uh, twenty of them. No, no, more than that. We've done thirty, I think, of the Shikoku Islands. Oh, we did amazing. half the island. Yeah, that's awesome. And Lee and I, so we did. We we were over, happened to be over in Japan, and we so we, we look for a sort of pilgrimage, sort of thing. So we did do the half that hike, and it is amazing. Yeah. Nobody speaks English, so you've. I have a.
0: I cycled from Osaka to to Hiroshima, and I cut through uh, the island, and it was it was just phenomenal, and what an experience! Yes. And I mean, I have a ten year old son in in Japan, so um, I don't speak Japanese much, but I I know some words enough to get by.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, so you already know the culture and yeah. stuff, which we were surprised at. We thought it would be polite, but the Japanese are very outgoing, very. Um, I don't know, Japanese Canadian, call it that if you will. <laughs> they love to party. They love their mm-hmm. whiskey, um, but they do these things like the, the they have these these pilgrimages and other things like that. Yeah, um, we we just loved uh, being in Japan. It was amazing, and and the that pilgrimage you will love it. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, they every temple, mind you, is on a hill. Yeah, I think maybe yeah. I'll cycle it and just hike a bike. you could do that that would be fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) i um yeah i think like japanese the one thing is like that's amazing about them is they're so focused on their activity you know like um my son his his mom's cousin got into running and he was a bit overweight chunky guy and he got into running and next thing you know he is going on amazing marathon adventures running four or five of them a year in different places and training all the time, you know, and then somebody who I know is a photographer and they're amazing photographers and their travel, they'll do everything to do the most photography possible. You know, it's, it's just, they're yep. so focused where I feel like we're just like much more like, ah, look, everything, you know? <laughs> yep. 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 Yeah.
1: And then, and then we have it back at home. We have um, Matthew McCaday's, you know, put together the trans Canada bike packing route. Yeah, we've been talking talking him and I. taking a look at uh, uh, my problem with that is I've been across Canada back and forth not cycling, mind you. Mm-hmm. but uh that's a big commitment when you've already seen your country and there's so many parts of the other country to see. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've been talking, he's been sending me the links to uh, his updates and to look over things and just discussing and um yeah, it's it's going to be epic. Um you know, and and the goal with that like when we talked was he he felt like the Trans Canada Trail is not cycling friendly necessarily, and it's not always taking the best possible route. So, like, why not get the community involved and plot a route that takes in some great bikepacking routes that exist and make yep. it go, you know? And um, oh yeah, well, so.
1: again, we have a problem in Ontario, I, primarily, I think, uh, for the Trans Canada portion, is that there is no route. Uh, across the top of lake superior right Mm
0: -hmm. that's a huge Um, and he's dipped it south you know in through uh, yeah through minnesota is it duluth Um,
1: yeah yeah. which makes sense to go south of Lake on the south side of lake superior in the u.s to cut through that area because it is much more rideable Um, friend of mine chris uh, bennett uh,
0: i know chris bennett uh, i had him on the podcast years ago
1: well, you should do. You should have another podcast with him and, as, and on his Trans Canada um, uh, bike race that he did. Oh, he did, did he do it? He was he was one of the two people that that bike did the first Trans Canada bike race this last year. How about that? I didn't know that. Yeah, and that is from Yukon to uh, or Whitehorse mm-hmm. to um, Vancouver to st john's does it start 12, in a... 500 kilometers wow,
0: yes amazing does and it start in yukon in... does it start in whitehorse or does it start at beaver creek right on the border i wasn't sure
1: i'm not sure okay. about that But yeah. up in yukon it it's a it's it is a transfer trans, trans uh, from yeah. the ocean i guess yeah yeah i would imagine they did it that
0: oh way. maybe it started in Tuk-tuk-tuk. who knows yeah we'll have to look at it up yeah
1: yeah, I didn't know he did sure it. But those, yeah, but basically they were trying to do a route that 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 took our 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 Arctic Ocean, you know, Yukon mm-hmm. to BC to Newfoundland. And um the, the part that he hated the worst was going across the, and Northern that was the Ontario. most dangerous as well mm-hmm. was going across the Lake Superior on the highway, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the only option we have. Like we need to get a route that we need to get an off a bikepacking safe route whether it's yeah you know whether it's pay whether it's gravel or whatever but it's got to be off the trans canada yeah. highway yeah i would like to um,
0: see that i mean there's no incentive for the government to build something for cyclists you know like on the north they're, they're like why would we do it it's a thousand or more kilometers and they, they'll never well, do build it, it but.
1: build it for the tra- snowmobilers then yeah, build it make for, it multi-use. Build it for multi-use. Um, mm-hmm. There is certainly a reason for doing it, which is to provide a, a – a, is for infrastructure. If you don't if, – if they built it, I would ride it.
0: Hey, it's, it's like Field travel. of Dreams, right? If you build it, they will if come. They, if
1: they <laughs> had built it, I would have actually – instead of doing the route around Ontario that I did on September, mm. I would have circled the Great Lakes. Oh, Okay. Yeah, but because it's not there, I decided not to do it. I just there's no there's no way I was going to ride the Trans Canada Highway. I've been up in that area. Yeah, I yeah. cycled on the Trans Canada Highway in that area, and it's I don't enjoy it. So,
0: it's yeah. yeah, it's interesting. The last time I heard from Chris, we were chatting, and he was going to be doing that. Uh, they were going to make a documentary cycling in Germany, I think, uh, but then it fell through. I think because of COVID, and uh, that was the last I heard about from him. Uh, is he hmm. is he still in? Uh, Living in New Zealand. New Zealand, yeah. yeah New, Z- New
1: Zealand, Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, great guy. A really helpful person. Yeah. He's yeah. You me. should Get him back on. Your I'll have to up, get him back, back on about yeah. the Trans Canada. His his uh, he didn't write too much. He did have. He has a blog on his site uh, about his experience. Um, so you can you can get get caught up that way. But I would definitely touch base with him and get him back and do a podcast. Yeah, definitely should experience. do that because it's Canada. It's the first Trans Canada race. Yeah, yeah. And,
0: and, you know, that guy, I mean, I just, I used to just shake my head and think, like, how could he, he, he rode the transcontinental race in reverse so he could get to the start line and then race it the other way? I'm like, what a nutter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I, I, if I, I may get this wrong, but I think he averaged on the Trans Canada ride 200 kilometers a day. Without a day off,
0: sick. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> he is he,
1: and and yet he's that type of person. As I was saying it earlier, at the, I think at the beginning of this, you have to have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. He finds a way to be positive about his ride. Yeah. So even when things are going terribly wrong, like part of part of his ride over the um, in Lake Superior area down to. Sault Ste. Marie, or something like that. He, like most, I think seven, eight hundred kilometers that he rode as a single speed because his, his DI2 shifting went on the Fritz. Oh, no. (laughs) And there are some good climbs in that area too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the downside of DI2. I mean, but that could happen. Anything could happen. You could break your last cable and be stuck with single speed on a mechanical shifter, right? So. I know people. Yeah. People throw a little a, bit
1: easier to fix it, mind you.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a bunch of dental flots, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. And um, so, yeah, any bike packing plans next summer, other than uh, some touring across uh, Europe? And
1: well, I yeah, I will be doing uh, the as I said the um, Danube uh, from Budapest to the Black Sea, and maybe back again to uh, Sofia in Bulgaria. Mm. um that so that's bike packing. i'll be probably i'll be you know doing tenting and stuff like that yeah. along the way um yeah which should be good because it looks like it'll be a very interesting sort of country and people and um different you know many five different countries i'll be going through
0: that's awesome
1: so it's and, and <clears throat> people are still using horse and buggy on some of this parts as well too so it's uh it's cheaper because uh, it's the east regular you know the yeah definitely east, east europe so mm-hmm. it's cheaper um not as touristy so that's wonderful um then i hope to do the butter tart 700 xl um, Uh, so his extended version um and i hope to get out and and do yours and do the uh the uh, rockies one so the Canada Canada shield Shield,
0: yeah awesome Yeah, it's gonna be an exciting summer for you um and you mentioned the gnr as well right with my wife and you mentioned the gnr as well
1: Uh, no, I'm not going to do the GMR this year. No, no, just the butter tart 700 and, uh, and yours, the Canada, the, uh, shield, Uh, I'm doing that one. I'm pretty sure. Uh, those are the two that I'm going to do. And then, uh, um, yeah, I've got volunteer work and other things I need to be doing. So, and spend time with my sweetie.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. It's really cool. It's like, it's, it's amazing to meet you and to, uh, Just to see you're so active and, you know, post retirement and you can do all these things and you're in good health and uh, gives me hope for the future.
1: (laughs) Cycling just keep on the bike and cycling keeps you young.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I think those are beautiful words to end on. Um, So you don't have to hang up after I say bye. But is there anything I missed that you would like to add? I know there's uh, probably many things, but.
1: I, I don't think so. Uh, I think we're good uh, good. Uh, but yeah if, if people want any help, any suggestions or whatever or, or have any questions about bike packing uh, in different areas, about traveling to different countries because I think that's the other thing. A lot of people do bike packing in you know in our country mm-hmm. in our North America. I have friends that are huge bike packers, but they are reluctant to go outside of North America for yeah. whatever reason. You know, is, you know, I have a friend that does the does the does the has done the uh, uh, tour divide three times, uh, but he is reluctant to go take a trip out to Europe, so hmm. uh, or some other place. So yeah, I think yeah. you got to venture, venture, go forth. You know, be be curious. Countries are interesting. Any any place over the next yeah. hill is interesting. Your backyard is interesting. Um, and just go forth and, and enjoy, you know, enjoy the time on the bike and uh, encourage other people to get out there and do it with, do it with other people too. It's a lot of fun doing it that way too.
0: Yeah. Beautifully said. And thank All right. you
1: for, and uh, thank you and uh, for, for uh, encouraging and getting um, sharing ah. I think, uh, people like you and Matthew that have Made hubs, you know, sort of bike packing hubs, if you will, of, uh, of knowledge and uh, of experiences, a uh, main thing. Um, I think that's huge. Um, that, you know, up until a few years ago, there wasn't this sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. You know, we didn't have repositories of bike trails that we could just go and see where we could go riding next, right? yeah um so it's it's an amazing community i think that's come together over the last few years uh which is wonderful to see so you know thanks to you thanks to matthew as well uh it makes a huge difference uh to have build community because uh hey friends are precious you know bikepacking friends are even more precious yeah,
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah it's been a pleasure and uh i definitely keep adding things onto my plate but i think i've gotten to the point where it's pretty full and uh if I want to keep doing any of them well, I have to kind of say, "Okay, enough's enough." And uh, yeah, so I, I definitely well. want You're to get—I well. definitely want to get some more roots added because I definitely see new ones that have cropped up, and I haven't yeah. added them to the site yet, nor talked to the people that created them. So that is uh, my goal moving forward. Once report cards are done next week,
1: <laughs> yeah, that and the bike packing summit too. Yeah. I would love to come to that. I just don't. I don't know if, as I said, if I have the time to get out there and do it as well versus riding. So.
0: Yeah, you we'll said see. you might be. Uh, you might be in. Well, you said you're going to um, Hungary. Is that in May? You said, right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So you might not be back in time.
1: I don't think so. <laughs>
0: no, unfortunately, maybe 2024. Sorry. 2024.
1: Bike packing, going to summit. Bike packing, going to summit. <laughs> okay, I'm going to bike packing.
0: Yeah, I, I would go travel too.
1: <laughs> but you've got packing at the summit too
0: which is fun. yeah we'll be doing some uh little morning rides and stuff and getting people out and yeah
1: that's good yeah. that's fabulous
0: and ultimately i mean I, I know somebody was asking about camping and i was like i would love to integrate camping but probably not this year it's just one more thing i'm not ready for and uh it's been a it's been a hell of a process you know there's been a lot going on and uh but yeah maybe the following year i think there could be some uh pre pre event camp night or something like that just to get people or, out or work and,
1: it work it into a three-day or, or something like that right or get into a two two night or one it's night possible. Or whatever yeah yeah like like an out and back uh, that would make a, that would be a wonderful way to do it where you actually you know have the summit and maybe after the summit or before the summit whatever works you go out and have this additional experience mm-hmm. i know that's what the
0: bike pack uh bike pack canada summit was uh, they had a you know, if the, the event started on the, for instance, Saturday morning, I think on the Thursday night it was a camp out, and then Friday yep. people had a chance to, like, do what they needed to do, and it gave Brian Corey a chance to set up whatever he needed he needs to do, and then the summit started on the Saturday. So I definitely yep. looked at that as an idea, but I think uh, I'll wait a year before that happens. Next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you don't have to hang up, but I will say bye. And uh, I do look forward to seeing you in September.
1: Okay. Take care, Chris.
0: Take care. I just want to take a moment to thank Greg for being on the show and also for that little PayPal injection. Um, definitely, definitely helpful. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm glad. I'm happy you shared your stories and you are a motivation for... I think countless people out there, you know, once they start, if they don't know about you and they learn about you, they're going to be like, wow, this guy is amazing. And uh, <clears throat> for not just, you know, your biking accomplishments, but everything that you're doing within the community and um, of cycling and, you know, helping new Canadians get bikes and all that fun stuff. So, Greg, thank you so much. In the next episode of Bike Pack Adventures podcast, I'm actually going to be releasing a conversation I had with my uh, cycling coach and we did it about a month and a bit ago, um similar to Greg's, <clears throat> and I just didn't release it. I got busy and uh, and then I took a down a little bit of downtime, and I wasn't really sure how I was going to release it, so I wasn't sure if I would edit it out, so you don't have to listen to me talking about the me stuff because I think you guys all know enough about me, but I thought that also might just be a little bit complicated. And, um, so yeah, it was kind of a, a back and forth in the sense that he started off by asking me lots of questions about what I'm doing. And then I kind of shot questions at him about things that relate to, to bike training and how to make the most of it. And, you know, basically questions that were on the top of my head, um, in terms of my own personal goals and ambitions. And I hope you guys enjoy it, but, uh, yeah, it should come out in the next little while. I just have to, uh, go through it real quick. So thank you very much and, uh, keep on pedaling. Bye-bye. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated and keep on peddling.